Thanks, Liz and Merrin. Hey, everyone. My name's Lee. If I haven't met you before, it's good to be here this morning. Um, yeah, like Tom said, this is our last talk on the series we've been doing on conflict and forgiveness. So today's topic is forgiveness, and I'm going to pray for us before we dive in. Uh, Father, I pray that you'd be with us this morning as we wrestle with forgiveness, with your forgiveness of us um, and the struggle to forgive others. Um, I pray that your um, word and your spirit um, would work in our hearts, that you give us soft hearts to hear what you have to say to us. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. There we go. You may have seen a few of these. Um, Bend it like Beckham. Be like Mike, like Taylor Swift. Please don't look up that song. It made me feel ill this week. It's really bad. But you know, it's kind of it's kind of childish. As children, we we think we can be like the stars, like the famous. Um, did anyone here have a childhood idol that they thought they could be like? That when they grew up, they sort of imagined themselves. Yeah, maybe I did. I imagined myself pitching in the major league baseball league. Um, that was my thing. I could actually, like, I thought it was going to happen. I was 100% dead set on it as a kid. Um, it didn't. Uh, but, you know, we, we look up to these people because, you know, they've found the secret to success and happiness. But as we get older, as we mature, we realise that it's kind of silly. It's unrealistic. It puts too much pressure on ourselves. It's not a good thing. Um, maybe it happens to a few of us, but not many. Uh, I also reckon some of my worst parenting moments are when I expect my kids to be able to do what I can do as an adult. Things that are unrealistic for a toddler or child to be able to do. To not be scared of the dark. To enjoy everything that I put on their plate. And to clean up after themselves to the same standard that I would. They're children. They're not adults. And for a, a bunch of things, it's unreasonable... For me to think and say, oh, come on, I can do it, so you can. When it comes to forgiveness, if you think about it, when God says in his word, forgive like me, it can feel pretty unreasonable and overwhelming. God is like the superstar of forgiveness. And maybe it's a bit childish to think that we can forgive like God. But Jesus tells us to pray and forgive our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And he says, not long after that, if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Paul says a couple of times, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Bear with each other. And forgive one another if you have any grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. But there's really no avoid in it, is there? We are called to forgive because God has forgiven us. And we are called to forgive like God has forgiven us. The main point of the parable of the unmerciful servant um, that Liz read for us is... Because God has shown us mercy and forgiven us everything, forgiven us all, we should show mercy and forgive others. And Jesus ends the parable with some pretty chilling words. 
This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from the heart. I don't know about you, but those words are really difficult. Now, I look at my life and I can think, yeah, there's some things that I've forgiven. There's some things that I'm not sure I've forgiven. And there's definitely things that I wonder, could I actually forgive that that thing, that horrible thing? It's easy for us, maybe especially as Christians, to say, just forgive. But could you really forgive someone deep in your heart for doing something horrendous to you or someone you love? Or maybe you're sitting there and someone has done something horrible to you and you just can't forgive them. C.S. Lewis writes of our attempts to be like Jesus, to, to imitate him, to forgive like Jesus. It is not like teaching a horse to jump better and better, but like turning a horse into a winged creature. Of course, once it has got wings, it will soar over fences which could never have been jumped. We're right to wonder if we could forgive anything because on our own, as mere humans, we don't have it in us. But as Christians, we know the love and forgiveness of God deep down. We are gripped by the love of a God who died for us. We are joyfully stunned by a God who says, your sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. God's forgiveness empowers us to forgive others in ways that we could never imagine. And so we drink it down, we bathe in it, we swim in God's love and forgiveness. I know I need forgiveness. There's no point denying reality. I let people down. I hurt those I love the most. I make selfish decisions. I can think terrible thoughts about others and myself. I speak careless words and often I don't care. My guess is everyone in this room is like me. And if we think about it, it'd be weird if the God who made us and who is good and just and loving, who loves all people equally, it'd be strange and concerning if he wasn't bothered by our faults. But we're told in the Bible over and over again that he is hurt and angered by the way that we treat others, by the way that we treat him. And that's fair and that's right. But in God's heart, there's something bigger than his hurt and anger. It's his love. He loves you. He loves me. And so he sends his precious and beloved son, Jesus, to die for us, to offer us forgiveness. God, God's posture towards everyone is he is ready to forgive anyone. And so we should have a posture that is willing to forgive. We forgive because God has forgiven us and we forgive like God has forgiven us. But what is God's forgiveness like? Well, first we see in this story um, that he forgives a debt we can't repay. 
If we closely interrogate this parable, the servant owed his master, in verse 24, 10,000 bags of gold. Um, Someone did the maths for me on this. That's $400 billion today. That is not a debt that could be paid off in his lifetime, not even a 100 lifetimes. It's ludicrous that he thinks he can pay it back at the bottom there. He can't. There's no way he can. But incredibly, the king cancels his debt. And before God, the debt for the way that we've hurt him and gone against him and wandered from him, that relational debt is too big. We can't pay it back. We've hurt, ignored, wandered from, turned our backs on God. No amount of church going, charity giving, youth leading, or prayerfully weeping over our mistakes is going to even scratch the surface. Our efforts to right our wrongs or make it up to God, it's like trying to drain the ocean of all its water using our hands, just cupping out the water. It's useless, it's futile. And so what's at the centre of Christianity? What's it all about? We have a God who doesn't want us to do better, try harder, tick more religious boxes. No, he is a forgiving God. He loves you so much that in Jesus' death and resurrection, he offers you full forgiveness. Jesus pays for all our debt, not just some of our mistakes, but all, past, present, future, even the ones that we don't know about. And so if we stop and just think for a moment, our forgiveness can't actually be like God's, not fully anyway. We can't forgive future sins. We can't forgive what we don't know. We don't forgive all. But we can be willing and open to forgive anything that hurts us, that harms us, even something horrendous, because God has forgiven everything. In offering forgiveness to someone else, we're saying, you can't make this better. You can't undo what you've done. But I want to release you from this debt. In receiving forgiveness... You're saying, I can't make it up to you. I can't undo what I've said or done. Thank you for choosing not to cancel me, but cancel my wrong from our relationship. God forgives a debt that we can't pay. And in forgiveness, we forgive a debt that the other person can't repay. Secondly, God's forgiveness absorbs that debt. What is actually so obvious yet easily missed in this story is that the king absorbs the great debt. So if you owe me $50, but I say, don't worry about it, I am now $50 short. It's kind of simple maths. It costs me $50. When God offers you forgiveness, he's not saying, No big deal. Jesus didn't come carrying a broom and just sweeping our sins under the rug. No, he carried and died on a cross bearing our sin. He absorbed a huge debt. He paid with his life 
in our place. He was forsaken by his father. That forsakenness is the cost of our sin. It's what we deserve. But Jesus absorbed the anger and hurt. And by absorbing the anger and hurt, he cleared the way for us to receive God's love and acceptance. There's a lot of pressure these days to not forgive at all because it's seen as morally inappropriate. If we forgive, it creates a society where criminals abusers, bullies, are not held accountable. Today, forgiveness is seen as at odds with justice. And if forgiveness is encouraged these days, it's because of the healing that forgiveness brings to the person who forgives. Forgive because it will make you feel better and release you from the bitterness that is threatening to consume you. Now, The Bible does talk about not holding grudges and not letting bitterness take root in your heart and relationships. And even in our passage, Tim Keller observes this. The final act of the parable, where the unforgiving servant is thrown into prison, seems harsh, but it is quite realistic. The self-centeredness that grows when you stay angry at someone, when you hold things against them, when you continue to regard them as if they're liable to you and, and they owe you, is a prison. Forgiving someone can be healing. It can release you. But God's forgiveness is firstly concerned with bringing healing and reconciliation to a relationship. And in God's case, the cross wasn't exactly a healing moment for the Son of God. He suffered so much. He bore such a cost. He put our relationship with him above his feelings. Forgiveness can be hard. It can be costly because you're choosing to bear the pain and releasing the other person. Doing that in hope that healing comes to the relationship. But it can bring more intimacy and trust to a relationship. Forgiveness into reconciliation can really grow a relationship and make that relationship really flourish. But the one forgiving has to bear a cost. A cost that may last a little while, a moment, a week, or a lifetime. Lastly, the one forgiven in this story, actually misses out on forgiveness. He happily accepts the king absorbing his huge debt, but he can't forgive a fellow servant for the debt he owes him. What's happened? He's quickly forgotten the king's forgiveness. It's completely lost on him. It hasn't transformed or impacted his heart at all. The truth is, God's forgiveness isn't always embraced. So even if we have a willing posture to forgive, are ready to forgive, sometimes it won't be accepted. Jesus loves everyone. Jesus died for everyone. But only those who accept his forgiveness are truly forgiven and reconciled. We can offer forgiveness to someone 
but forgiveness might not take place. It's like feeding a baby. I know this is a serious talk, and this is a bit of a silly example. But it's like feeding a baby. You can feed the baby, but if the baby rejects the food, the baby is not fed. We can offer forgiveness, but if forgiveness is rejected, forgiveness hasn't happened. I think this is what Jesus means when he says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Repentance here is owning your wrong, accepting the forgiveness offered, and attempting not to do the same wrong again. Forgiveness is not simply overlooking an offence. It's not denying or minimising something or excusing it. It is rebuking it. It is calling it out. It's saying to the other person, you have hurt me so much, so much so that this thing has come between us, but I don't want to hold it against you anymore. If the other person owns their wrong and accepts your forgiveness, they're forgiven. You've released them from that. And reconciliation may take place. So we forgive because God has forgiven us. And we forgive like God has forgiven us. We cancel a debt. We absorb a debt that they cannot repay. But as I've already mentioned, we can't forgive exactly like God forgives. Um, And so here are four ways that I think our forgiveness falls short of God's perfect forgiveness. First thing is God knows someone's heart, and we don't. We don't know if someone's actually repentant. They could just be saying the right words. It really depends on the person and the situation, um, and maybe we just have to give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes, or sometimes not. I don't know, that calls for a lot of wisdom. Secondly, God's forgiveness is complete and whole. You know, sometimes in our best efforts to forgive someone, we hold on to things, even when we try with all our heart to let them go. We can forgive, but we may have moments where we slip back into an unforgiving posture towards that person. God never does that with us, which is amazing. But sometimes we will. Thirdly, God forgives us the moment we accept and receive it. If you ask for forgiveness from God, if you did that today, he will forgive you. You're forgiven all. It's done. You are fully reconciled to him. But sometimes it takes us time and prayer and God's help to honestly get to a point where we're ready to forgive that person. And there's no shame in that. Lastly, God's forgiveness leads to complete reconciliation. When we accept his forgiveness, we're fully reconciled to God for all eternity. But even when we forgive someone else, it doesn't mean that relationship must return to where it was before the offence happened. It may not be safe for the one who has forgiven to remain in that relationship. It may not be best for the offender to remain in that relationship or that position that they've held. Trust might slowly need to be re-established, sometimes at a distance, especially in cases of abuse or power imbalances. And I think this is a case, if you think about the first point, only God knows someone's heart, 
This is a case where I believe a truly repentant person, like how do you know if someone's truly repentant? The truly repentant person would agree on being stood down or being removed from the person or the people they're hurting if they're truly, yeah, if if they know the wrong they've done. All right, that's a lot. I don't know who or what this talk has left you thinking about. Forgiveness is hard. For us, it's as hard as flying. But God's love and forgiveness gives us wings. And so I want to leave us with these words from Dane Orland. Only as we drink down the kindness of the heart of Christ will we leave in our wake, everywhere we go, the aroma of heaven and die one day having startled the world with glimpses of divine kindness, too great to be boxed in by what we deserved. Too great to be boxed in by what we deserve. Let me pray. Father, we may never fully understand how much you've forgiven us, not in this time, lifetime at least. We are sorry for the ways that we treat you and others, even those we love. We have so much to be sorry for, but we stand before you as forgiven people released from that debt, free to enjoy relationship with you, to live as your children in this world. And I pray that that would inspire and empower us to forgive others, that you would give us the strength to do so, um, that we'd help each other in this quest and that through it we would point people to ultimate forgiveness, uh, the forgiveness that you offer. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen.